1: Great to be back with you folks what an honor it is to come across your airways with me again as pastor tony miller you'll those of you who listened yesterday know we just finished up the fruit of the spirit and as we looked at the different fruits we we looked at things like but the fruit of the spirit is love joy and uh, we talked about peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness and temperance which we finished yesterday against such there is no law and and i i said to pastor i said last time you spoke and we got more questions when pastor speaks than we get i usually get a question or two a week and We filter them into our discussion, but uh, uh, when we aired just a couple weeks ago, the beginning of the Fruit of the Spirit, uh, you sent lots of questions, so I said to Pastor, uh, I said, can we... uh, can we just go ahead and ask you some questions today? And I want you to know that he was kind enough and, and said he would do that. But understand, that, uh, we would call this in the Army extemporaneous. This is just coming right. Uh, you know, there's no forewarning on this. Uh, we're just going to a guy with three-quarters of a century of life, uh, half-century serving God in the ministry. And, uh, and so we're looking for his God-given his, uh, his God-centered discernment. I've seen it, I've uh, been in his preaching. So pastor, thank you for that. Are you sure you're all into those questions we're gonna ask today?
2: Well, it's good to be with you again, Brother Carragher, and always a joy to be with the people that are listening and praying that God will give help through our words that we try to communicate. We're not always clear, but maybe the Holy Spirit would just make things real clear. All right.
1: So today's word of the day is questions. I want to start off,
2: Pastor. And, and uh, I, I
1: just, I told you we had some questions on marriage and different things like that. And I, I want to start right there. Uh, when someone is joining in your life, you know, maybe you're at the point you're in courtship and, and, and biblically and pragmatically, and how you and uh, Mrs. Miller, how do you know? How do you know that this is the person?
2: Well, I can share my own testimony. I was in Australia, and I'd been through two years of Bible training, and I'd come to the conclusion that I wasn't going to get married. Uh, I thought I'm going to be able to serve God singly, undistractedly, and uh, I look back on that, and that was just uh, my immature way of concluding what God wanted for my life. But it was actually seeing a couple serving over in Australia, Randy Pike and his dear wife. And they'd been married about 16 years. And it was seemed like they were still on their honeymoon. They just loved one another. And I made comment to him after a supper meal at their home. And we were looking at the sunset in Australian territory and just said Brother Pike, I appreciate the relationship you have and uh, you and your wife. And he immediately started and he said, Tony, you're going into the ministry. You need a good wife. And he gave me a verse and it was Ezekiel 16, 44. And he said, Tony, remember, it says that as a mother is so shall her daughter be also. Now, when you say like father, like son a lot, but, that verse was used to the Spirit of God to point me toward my wife. Now, I'd met her when I was 19 and she was 15. I was too old to date her at that time. But this is three years later. And uh, she was in my home church and her mother was a godly woman. And I thought, if this woman turns out to be like her mother, and that's what Brenner A. Pike said. He said, you look at her mother and if she's a Christian mother, she'll be a lot like her in 20 years. Well, that's not an absolute thing, but I just tell people, make sure they're saved. Make sure they're surrendered and trying to live a surrendered life to the Lord. And there's the fruit of the spirit manifested where God is producing those qualities of Christ likeness to a certain degree, not perfect. And then you need to get advice. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. And you can ask people, I asked my pastor what he thought about me pursuing this young lady that was back in my home church. She was still in high school and her last year high school and I was in college. And so you wanna get counsel. You wanna look at uh, how they treat their mom and dad. Does a boy treat his mom terribly? He's a danger zone for you to marry as a girl. Uh, But I also say take and look at how their parents are, the way they live their lives, and they'll become a lot like them if they have Christian parents. And then uh, also take it slow. Don't let your heart run away with you and you get emotionally tied up with someone or start getting into physical contact and bonding before you know it's God's will. Take your time. Get to know the person. And using time, the Lord will, through time and counsel and surrendered hearts, tell you whether you belong to one another or not. Now, my junior year, I dated a godly girl. We prayed together, read the Bible together. We enjoyed things like that. But through time, God made it clear to us we were meant for one another. But when it came to my wife that I now have and God started pointing her out when I was in Australia uh, through time, God made that very clear to me. And I actually got to a point I said, God, I don't want to let my own heart desires. You compel me to to marry if I'd like to marry her. But if you just compel me and you make it so clear, I'm not mistaken by my own emotions. And the night I got engaged to her, God was really. His Holy Spirit was saying, hey, it's time for you to get engaged to this girl. And if you don't, you're disobeying me. Now, everybody doesn't have that same experience, but you can put it into the point saying, God, convict me if I need to be convicted that this one is the right one. We have a tendency to run ahead uh-huh. and the gun. And I just say, take it progressively slow. Uh, checking one another out, asking the Lord to show, getting advice from people that know you well.
1: No, that's great. And so you're answering another question in here too. And I guess this would be
2: different for everybody.
1: Uh, but this young lady writes from California, uh, what do you think a time frame, a healthy time frame, uh, would be for courtship prior to marriage?
2: Well, I don't encourage people uh, to get engaged and then try and determine if they're the one. I encourage them to find, is this the one? And then um, the idea, time of courtship or engagement, as we would call it, would be from eight months to a year and a half. Mm. I think you start dragging it out, you burn people out in the waiting process because they've already... Decided this is God's will. They've given their hearts to one another. And it becomes more difficult to restrain yourself from not getting physically toward someone inappropriately, to get into petting and that sort of thing, and getting too physical.
1: Yeah. And
2: I think you got plenty of time in an eight-month to a year and a half time frame to get ready, to get prepared. And uh, that's what I would say is plenty of time to go through premarital counsel, get all the details of the wedding ready, you know, get your finances in order. And in premarital counsel, I cover about five areas that I try to get through and couples need premarital counseling.
1: Yeah, no, I I
2: agree with that. And uh,
1: so I, I guess this begs one more question, pastor, I know these are hard, but what's within the bounds of touching prior to holy matrimony? I mean, are we hand-holding? I mean, what in your mind?
2: uh, Okay. Spirit of God says, and let me just put it this way. uh, People say, well, should you kiss? Could you hold a hand? Could you do this or that? And they're looking for specifics. Right. But yielded people will deal with First Thessalonians chapter 4. And this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. Now, I quoted chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. You can go there and look at it. I quoted 3 and 5. The lust of concupiscence is the biblical principle that I give people to this question. And the lust of concupiscence is two Greek words that have to do with passion and sexual desire, basically, is what it amounts to. So having desires, strong desires. So anything that you do outside of marriage that stirs you to have sexual desires or passion is out of God's will until marriage. Now, it doesn't have to be touch. It can be communication. I mean, there are people that talk in pornographic ways. We have today young people on cell phones sexting. You know what I mean by sexting? It's a take-off on texting. And they are on phone giving images of sexually what they are going to do with this person. Mm. Now, that's stirring sexual desires outside of marriage because the statistic I last knew that 66 and two thirds of the people that get engaged never get to the wedding altar or become married. So, anything that you do in engagement before marriage that has to do with stirring up sexual lust in one another is not God's will. Now, that's the guideline I give. So, it can be the way you dress that you are stirring up sexual desires in the opposite person. It can be the way you talk to one another. It's the touching you do. Now, some people, it's fine, they hold hands and it doesn't stir them, okay? It doesn't stir up sexual lust, okay? They're not breaking that principle. So it's tailor-made to many times a person's background and frame of reference are coming from, and the couple has to be brutally honest with God and with one another. God, if stirring sex Ill desires in me or my mate, we're going to tell one another that and we're going to back away from it because that's for marriage.
1: Yeah. Hey, pastor, hold on that for a minute. We're going to go ahead and let these radio stations do what they need to do. And we'll be right back with you. Thanks, dear brother. Thanks for hanging with us there, friends. And uh, so, Pastor, what a great example out of First Thessalonians. Do you want to, is that thought finished, or do you need a couple more seconds to wrap that one up?
2: Uh, yes, and there's other scriptures that go along that way. Jesus said this. He says, you've heard of all that shall not commit adultery, but I say unto you, whosoever looks on a woman to love her has committed adultery in his heart. So, you don't even have to touch someone. You can look. Pornography is sex outside of marriage, stirring passions, the lust of concupiscence. And God calls that adultery of the heart. And that passage, frankly, with me, when I went to study for the ministry, I was coming out of a background of living in the flesh. And boy, that verse helped me. I I can't even look at a woman inappropriately and start imagining what I would do with her if I got to bed with her. That's the lust of concupiscence. That's adultery in the heart.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great, Pastor. Thanks for sharing that with us. That certainly answers three or four of the questions we had here. Now, someone asked the question of you when when we were earlier on in the fruit of the spirit and they, they asked a question in your mind, what are some biblical imperatives or imperatives to being a good parent?
2: Well, biblical imperatives of parents is first of all, to be saved. And secondly, to be a spirit-filled parent or person each day. Uh, I've known people go to parent seminars and have all the information out there. But if you don't daily walk in the spirit, being spirit-controlled, then you're not going to be a good mate. You're not going to be a good parent. You're not going to be a good church member. You're not going to be a good employee or employer. It it, takes day by day yielding to the spirit. And you stop and think about it. You can be spirit filled this hour in the morning and an hour later you can be in the flesh. And so it takes 24-7 walking in the spirit, controlled by the spirit to make the best. Now, let me just say this: Your style of parenting affects how your children are going to respond to you. If you're all discipline and no love, or all sentimental love and no discipline, your parenting style is going to be ineffective with children. And you can find five different parenting styles in First and Second Samuel, between Eli and. And her husband Elkana, saltball. well Samuel. Styles there. And it's a good study to do. And the key to your child's life is Gary Small wrote years ago, but he's really taking styles of parenting and Samuel's. So the style of parenting would be that. But the thing is this more is caught than taught. Your example is going to be speaking louder and your children are going to imitate more what you do, not what you say. If you don't practice what you preach, you're going to turn them off. But if you're practicing something, you can preach.
1: Yeah. And we lost you there for a minute, Pastor. Are you still with us? Yes, I'm with you. Oh, Okay. And uh, so someone asked a question. This next question deals with uh, temperance. And uh, before we even got to it, they asked this question. But they said, when you're speaking of one's dietary, uh, what they should eat, this guy's hitting on the point that we as Christians hit on a lot of things that are a sin, but we don't talk about gluttony and eating things wrong and, and things of that nature. Um, and he's saying, obviously he's trying to point out that there's, we should practice temperance, uh, and the things we eat, exercise, things like that. So he's asking the questions, what should a diet and exercise look like, uh, for someone like yourself? I mean, you spent. All these years sitting behind a desk in our church, you've you've stayed fit, all those things. What would you recommend for people who are trying to go through this world, diet, exercise, biblical thoughts on that, your thoughts?
2: Well, we're talking about New Year's resolutions many times when we get into this, but it needs to be an everyday resolution, what we're eating and how we're taking care of our body. And I think the motivation has to be not I wanna look handsome, beautiful. I wanna be trim and fit. Our motivation has to start right. And this has to do with pleasing God and taking care of the temple of God. You know, we will preach oftentimes on nicotine and alcohol and drugs and that sort of thing, destroying the temple of, but really overeating and not eating balanced diet And exercising destroys the temple as well. And so this has to do with the motivation of taking care of God's temple. And that's where it needs to start. Now, you can get into all kinds of things about whether it's vegetarian or it's meat or no meat and all of that. But let me just say this. The right amount and a balance is the best thing on diet that you focus on. That's what I've come to realize in my own life. And exercise is very much a part of it. Some people are just driving their bodies with extreme exercise and some people are doing none. Once again, balance and regular. So three to five times a week, getting an aerobic exercise, a workout, according to your age and your, your health, what you will be able to tolerate without tearing your body down. Exercise. And uh, I do this at home. I have my own regimen at home. Uh, My wife and I have a garden, so we get plenty of vegetables, but we eat meat and vegetables. America is overloaded with sugar in its food. The processed food are taking in. So cutting back on the sugars is critical. And my daughter and son-in-law spent five years in China, And the thing that would shake them up is when they get off the airport in the States and look at the obesity in our country. And that is what we're talking about is gluttony that God does not want us to be involved in. And it's a form connected to rebellion toward God. I'm not going to let God control my appetite. And so I know I've gone to preaching on this, but basically balance in regular exercise balance and eating in the kinds of food and the amount of food. Yeah, that's good.
1: And, and I like what you said, it, you know, the scale will take care of itself if the diet's right and the exercise, right. If you've, if you've got the right foods, and you're doing the right things. And many of you know that I, I recently lost a lot of weight just a few years ago. And a, a great cheerleader for me was Pastor Miller. I remember him saying, you look good. And then asking me the question one time, do you feel better? And and folks, I can tell you, I feel better. And so when you're looking at that temple, you know, uh, you, you're taking care of the looks of the temple. But at the same point, uh, you're taking care of the health of it. And I can serve God better, Pastor. And I know this is part of your answer. So much better being healthy than I can be uh than I can do being unhealthy.
2: And, and brother Doug, you got another question today?
1: No, I think we're there, brother. We got about a minute left. I want to thank you for taking the time and uh, sharing all this with us. And, folks, I want you to know that these questions on marriage, and these are different things that you guys have asked us from different places. And I I really appreciate the way that the pastor went in a very informational, biblical uh, role here, his years of experience. Remember those things he talked about with uh, uh, premarital counseling? That is a big deal. And uh, I can tell you it wasn't that long ago I sat down and was – Consuling kind of working with nine different couples. And there's things that I learned from all of them that seven of them had no premarital counseling And out of all nine people, the longest they had been together prior to marriage, I'm talking courtship and engagement and stuff was nine months. So I think when the pastor's telling you slow down, uh, you know, when you get to that engagement part, take that eight months to a year and a half and learn each other, go through your premarital counseling, don't do things that would stimulate those things that are ungodly, build your marriage on something that's godly and God and put him in the front position. But again, thank you, Pastor. We look forward to the next time you can come back. You can rest assured we're praying for you. Folks, if we can do anything to help with you, I know that this may be one of the last uh, podcasts uh, prior to the first of the year, so we want to wish you a happy new year. It's hard to believe we're already coming up on 2023. Again, if we can help you, help Helpful Wounded Spirits, Facebook page, Doug at WoundedSpirits.com. We sure do love you. May God bless you. Have a great day.
0: death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation simply ask the lord to save you in jesus name while believing in your heart and he will please contact us if we can help you in any way god bless you we hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life for helpful resources more information or to donate to help this vital ministry